Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. The U.S. women's national team is preparing for a brace of friendlies against Colombia and then the CONCACAF championship, which will play out from July 4th to July 18th. We've not yet discussed the roster, so we're going to do that and look ahead to the tournament. Greg, how you doing? I'm all right. Are the judges going to allow a brace of friendlies? Is that is that a is that a consult the judges? I don't know. It's isn't a brace too. I don't know. I've I've never heard it used in any context other than uh, a pair of goals scored in a soccer match. But I'm going. I think I'm going to embrace it. Embrace <laughs> oh, it. Boy. Uh, from now on, that was that was unintentional. From now on to discuss any pair of anything. A brace of podcasters here with you from Georgia and Iowa. Um, Colombia, real quick, has drawn drawn Argentina and Venezuela twice each in the past five months. And after these friendlies, uh, the first of which is Saturday evening at 7.30 Eastern time, 6.30 Central time. Thank you. You're welcome. The, they go play in the Copa America. So... And we're playing in our regional tournament. They're playing in theirs. So it's a tune-up for both teams. The U.S. will play Haiti first in the CONCACAF Championship. That's on the 4th of July. And then Jamaica and then Mexico in their group. Um, It gets a little bit complicated here, but basically the top four teams qualify automatically for the 2023 World Cup. And the winner of the tournament qualifies automatically for the Olympics. I don't really want to get into the non-automatic qualification scenarios because that's no fun i'm still going to though because in the interest of uh thoroughness here um you know there's gonna be some drama around around winning this tournament between mexico as the host nation canada as defending olympic champions uh it's certainly not a guarantee or even like uh i don't even know if we would be in like over 50 percent to actually win the tournament since uh since canada and mexico can complicate the math uh mm-hmm. so it's a it, the tournament is two groups of four uh, and top two of each group qualify for the World Cup automatically, like like you said. That basically means we are we will qualify for the World Cup. Uh, it would take an unprecedented collapse for the U.S. to fall behind uh, two other teams in their group. Um, and even if they do, they're still an insurance road because the third place teams from each group will also go to an intercontinental playoff for the World Cup. So even if we did have that collapse, we would still have another lifeline to get into the tournament. But we won't. We'll get to the World Cup. Uh, if we don't win the tournament, we are not yet qualified for the Olympics. And what I've seen is there will be a one-off playoff match in September of 2023 between mm-hmm. the second-place team in this tournament and the third-place team. So there's a consolation game in this tournament. Two and three will play a, a, a playoff to see which second CONCACAF team goes to the Olympics. So a little confusing, and I don't know if that's subject to change uh, or if that's even correct to begin with, but that's the only, the only <laughs> information I've found about uh, the, the playoff route into the Olympics if we don't win the whole CONCACAF championship. All right, well, before we get into the roster, let's, let's talk about who is not available for whatever reason. There are several different reasons. Lots of players unavailable. The, perhaps the most important one is Katarina Macario, who tore her ACL a few weeks ago. I yeah. Mean, we mentioned this, yeah. Last, ma- last match of... Uh, of- the, of her league in France, it already secured the trophy uh, going into the game, so it just feels extra, extra unnecessary. Uh, but again, injuries could happen anytime. Uh, so super unfortunate for her. Super unfortunate for anyone who enjoys watching uh, soccer, because she is yeah. lightning in a bottle. 
so she will be missed uh, certainly from an entertainment standpoint. And we're, we're just going to keep hoping she has a good recovery heading into the fall. Definitely leaves a slot open at the striker position. We'll talk about that. Um, as we go along here, another forward, more of a winger who tore her ACL recently is Kristen press, but there's more, there's more to this than just the ACL injury, which is, you know, gutting as they say, what did you make of Vlatko's comments? So it had already been uh, teased in a report that press wasn't going to be invited. Her ACL injury happened like the day before, uh, the call-ups. And in fact, I don't think it had even been fully diagnosed until after the call-up. So, so right. she got hurt. We were, the jury was still out on what the injury completely was. And then the, the roster was announced and she wasn't on there. Um, and, and so, again, even before we knew it was ACL, it was reported, I think, in the Philadelphia Inquirer, maybe the Washington Post. I don't remember which. I should. You're a journalist. They'll ding me for it. Um, but that she wasn't going to be on. She wasn't going to be on the list, even if she hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, then it came out. Then then Vlatko uh, in his press conference said, no, she wouldn't have been here. So he confirmed that tease and said that. Uh, she was just behind the, uh, you know, a, a kind of a murderer's row uh, of attacking players. And he listed off, uh, you know, the competition of Mal Pugh, Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan, Ashley Hatch, Trinity Rodman. Spoiler alert, those will all be listed on the roster we're going to read next. Um, I think conspicuously, the one name he didn't list on there who was also included is Megan Rapino, And we'll get uh, a little more in, in depth about, about that decision as well. Uh, because I think that's she was clearly the sort of the last attacker on the list. She's been injured for a long time. Rapino has uh, has barely just gotten back to playing. Hasn't been playing ninety minutes yet. Uh, so yeah. press being you know left off before press's injury for Rapino, I think was the big eye opener. And uh, definitely the Philadelphia Inquirer is where a, a story just dropped today about Rapino's role in the team. Yeah, she's going to be uh, essentially a player player coach. She's going to be the Christian Roldan of the women's national team. Right. You laugh at the like the comparison makes a laugh just because, you know, Megan Rapino has two World Cup trophies, an Olympic gold medal, uh, a few few runners up from those tournaments as well. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's essentially the role. She's going to be like there to show these kids there's so many there's so much transition and turnover. Um, the way they're describing it and the way Rapino kind of described it was to show the players what it takes, the level you have to perform, uh, you know, every single time to compete at this level. And I think that's even, even with this transparency or maybe even in addition, in addition to this transparency or the transparency will add to like the controversy of including her over, uh, over a Kristen press, even though it's moot because Kristen press did her ACL and couldn't play anyway. Right. Even despite the mootness, like it isn't, uh, isn't it kind of controversial to include somebody like Ashley Hatch over Kristen Press? Or is that just more of a fit where you need a nine and Hatch is more of a nine? That's, that's my thought. My thought is Hatch, Hatch is in as a nine and Press, Press was going to be fighting for one of the four winger spots. And one of those spots went, or the last spot went to Rapino. Right. I mean, it seems to me, if I could opine for a moment, that Mallory Pugh and Sophia Smith are the, you know, they're the wingers right now. They're the starting wingers. They're the minutes, and, right? That's where the minutes yeah. are going. And justifiably so. I mean, they're the, they're the most dangerous and dynamic, with all due respect to Trinity Rodman. And um, so I guess if it's explained that Megan Rapino is there for her experience to help guide the younger attackers in through this tournament then um it's not really i guess the controversy of press versus rapino isn't really that much of a controversy right 
So. Well, I mean, I'd still say it is. It's a it's a short tournament. Uh, it's a 23 player roster, not 26 like we're assuming the the men's World Cup is going to be um, this November. So you know, spaces are tight. If you lose one of Pew or Smith to injury, you know, Trinity can step in very very easily there. Uh, but then you know you neither you, you don't usually expect your wingers to play 90 minutes every game. Uh, you certainly wouldn't if you had a outstanding option off the bench. Uh, so then it just becomes like you, you instead of Kristen Press being the next player up, uh, you're going to go to the 36 year old Rapino who hasn't been playing very much. So you know competitively, I do think there's a there's a case there. I think there is a bit of like controversy. Again, it's totally moot and it, it's all academic because Press can't do it. She's out with an ACL. Um, so, uh, so it, it does because of, because of Lotko's comments in effect, like this academic conversation is happening. Yeah. So maybe he just shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> it's like, it's like with Burhalter and the Haji Wright comments, they, they make the comments and we're, we, it creates this firestorm. Uh, but we always want more candor from, from our athletes and managers. Yeah. I, I do not think he, I, I'm, I'm fine with coaches saying stuff like this at least given their opinions at least it's something to debate and talk about um others who are missing uh are tierna davidson lynn williams sam Ewis, abby doll kemper i think all four dealing with injuries of some sort julie Ertz as well morgan morgan Trell. davidson, davidson and williams out for the season with injuries Mewis, i feel and doll kemper i feel like are always on the verge of just about to be back but not back in time okay yeah, Ertz and Gatro also hurt. And then uh, Crystal Dunn just had a baby. And Jalen Howell is um, one of three players who was called up just for the Columbia friendlies, but not for the tournament. Um, seems like that's a little bit of an omission. Same with Sam Coffey from Portland. So Coffey and Howell both sixes or close, you know, at least can deputize as sixes. And then Carson Pickett. Uh, left back from the North Carolina Courage. She's also on that list of three who will play, who are available against Columbia, but won't be on the tournament roster. There we go. Okay, so that that, that is 26 players, and, and Press wasn't going to make the 26. <laughs> yeah. I'm just bringing it back to the academic debate. Okay. Uh, now should we go through who's actually on the official uh, roster at the moment? Yeah, let me give three facts about it. Uh, first, Becky Sauerbrunn is the oldest player on the roster at 37 years of age. Older even then Rapino and uh, Trini Robin at 20 is the youngest. It's 13 of 23 players on the roster don't have any World Cup qualifying experience. Eight players uh, are there who are on the U.S. women's national team's roster for Olympic qualifying in 2020. Those are Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Alyssa Nair, Kelly O'Hara, Megan Rapino, Becky Sauerbrunn, Emily Sonnet, and Andy Sullivan. So I've given a, I guess I've given up a lot of the roster already, but <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. And again, for most people who are listening to us talk about this, they've listened to a lot of talk about the, the men's national team and that transition that has happened from the 2018 cycle and how it has been nearly absolute. Uh, and this yeah. is a very different situation. It is definitely a team in transition um, in, you know, from the last cycle through the Olympics. Uh, but it is very much a blended transition of, and we'll see at each position group, there's definitely this blend of experience and uh and new blood yeah I'd, I'd like to talk more about that but the goalkeepers um on the roster are aubrey kingsbury from the washington spirit casey murphy from the north carolina courage and Alyssa nair from the chicago red stars any notes there greg well, 
So just going into, I mean, if you just look at the, their caps for the national team, uh, Kingsbury and Murphy combined for five and Nair has 80 with, you know, a ton of World Cup and Olympic silverware to her name. So uh, you just you just see where we are in the pool. And there there were several names, I think, that that were competing for, for goalkeeper spot. We are solid on goalkeepers uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, the center backs is another example of this blending of experience in, uh, in new era. The new era players are Alana Cook and Naomi Gurma from the OL Reign and San Diego Wave. They have a combined 10 caps between them. The other two are Becky Sauerbrunn and Emily Sonnet, who may, who may be playing a little fullback in this tournament, right? Um, yeah, Sonnet, Sonnet definitely feels like a uh, utility player. That's been her role with the national team for uh, all through last cycle as well. On her way to, she's at 65 caps. Sauerbrunn, of course, uh, over 1,000 caps. No, come on. <laughs> 202. 202 caps, zero goals. That goal's coming. It sh- we don't want the goal to come. I don't know if people have been, if you haven't been following the women's team, Sauerbrunn not scoring a goal is like a, a running bit. Uh, and so I, would, I don't want the goal to come in this tournament. I definitely need the goal to come in a World Cup knockout game. That'd be cool. She did score a goal over the weekend for the Thorns in a 6-0 beatdown of the Orlando Pride. Uh, the fullbacks are Emily Fox from Racing Louisville, uh, Sofia Huerta from OL Reign, and Kelly O'Hara, O'Hara, sorry, O'Hara the, from the Washington Spirit. So 13, cap, 12, and yeah. 100. Go ahead. I was going to say cap wise here, Fox and Huerta combined for. Uh, 25, and I think Huerta has quite a few of those in an attacking role. Although, even when she was getting her tryout in the uh, Jill Ellis era, it, it was uh, with some fullback mixed in. Kelly O'Hara at 150 caps. Yep. And then I have so in the in the I've broken it into defensive midfielders eights and attacking midfielders. I'm not sure I have this exactly right, but it's it's close. I think Andy Sullivan's the only defensive midfielder on the roster, right? Yeah, and that's that's the rub, and that's why I wonder if Howell uh, and and Coffee are included for this reason. And because Andy Sullivan is also coming back from injury, so if she's not going to be full speed. Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those where we, if we're going to drop anyone, we'd have to dro- for like an injury replacement. We'd have to drop her, right? We we don't say okay, well. Uh, Sullivan can't quite be relied on, but we're going to keep her on the roster. So we're just going to drop somebody else. Sorry, you're done. We have to bring a backup for Sullivan. Uh, so that's where I feel like it gets dicey with these, uh, with these other defensive mids we have in camp, but not officially on the, uh, final roster. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, Korniak, I assume can play there. She does play as more of an eight for the San Diego Wave. So the Taylor Taylor Korniak is one of the other midfielders in this roster. Andy Sullivan, of course, from the Washington Spirit, uh, very reliable defensive midfielder, twenty seven caps. Um, Korniak, interestingly enough, is she is uncapped so far. She, she is going to be the tallest women's national team field player of all time, at six foot one inches. She's very tall, and. Um, She's also the first ever women's national team call up from Las Vegas, for what it's worth. Those are I do. Great I am. For Taylor. I'm curious. What? Like, are you frustrated by Howell's Jalen Howell's uh, absence here? Because I mean, what I've seen of her is really, I really enjoy. 
so I, I still I think that the the roster construction uh, makes it more frustrating, or, or if not frustrating, just more of like a, a concern uh, because it does feel like we are. Uh, th- I mean, we're incredibly thin at that holding mid spot, um, and we've tried you know other players there. And while they might be able to deputize somewhat ably, like it does feel like maybe getting more of a specialist uh, six in there in the roster to have available would be preferable. But it, this is definitely one that can play out different ways. And it could it could just be the case that uh, we are better off if Sullivan can't go using one of these eights in that spot. I mean, it really just kind of highlights that we haven't found or or done a good job of finding uh, a Juilliard's replacement since since uh, the France World Cup. You don't think Sullivan is that? I mean, she's like you said, she's she, she's coming back from injury now, but like fully healthy, she's not a good Earth's replacement. Well, I th- so I, yeah, I guess she's there. It's, it's the question becomes like, do we fully commit to playing uh, that kind of defensive player in that spot, or do we have Sullivan? And then after that, again, we go back to this floating. Iran tries it. Uh, you know, we just we just run a good player there and hope for the best. Yeah. Okay, speaking of Haran and good players, she is, she, I guess she, Korniak, and Christy Mewis are sort of in the eight category among midfielders called up. Haran plays for Lyon in France, just won UEFA Champions League, has 109 caps in her career. Uh, Christy Mewis plays for Gotham FC, 38 caps. And then, you know, when we get into the, I mean, they're both, these are both really solid players. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm already skipping ahead of the attacking mids just because we've got Lavelle and Sanchez kind of listed there. Rose Lavelle for Olympic mm-hmm. Green and Ashley Sanchez for Washington Spirit. And Lavelle, I feel like, will be a utility midfielder as well, whether it's the attacking mid or the eight role. I feel like you can run her and Sanchez together uh, if you needed to or if you chose to. If you wanted to have a lot of fun, <laughs> that's what you'd do. It's a squad. This is a squad. In the event that you wanted fun. <laughs> then you would run the two of them as your eights. Uh, cra- crazy caps in midfield. Uh, Sanchez is is sort of lower with seven. Uh, I know you said Korniak already went through her. She has zero. Um, but yeah, Lavelle, Haran, Mewis, these are, these are pretty seasoned veterans at this point. Yeah. Sanchez, uh, I still think probably the most fun player to watch in the whole player pool. I don't, I do understand that he, she's probably not as good as Lavelle right now. So if, you know, if Vlaco decides he doesn't want to have fun and only starts one of them, then um, I would imagine it's going to be Lavelle in the starting 11 and Sanchez coming off the bench. There's going to be a lot of rotation too, I imagine. Uh, because again, we should, you know, I, I want to say this, I don't know, delicately, but we should cruise against Haiti uh, and Jamaica. Even if it's not a 7-0 cruising, we should cruise in the sense that we are going to control the match and I think win comfortably. Uh, in, in both of our first two matches. So uh, I, I feel like that Haiti and Jamaica games on the fourth and the seventh back to back, that's where I think we'll see some rotation. And then I'm guessing we'll put the, you know, the absolute squad up against Mexico on the 11th. Mm-hmm. Speaking of those dates, we are going to be recapping all of these games. Not we'll, we'll do the, we'll do the Columbia. We'll do a two and one recap of the two Columbia friendlies just for personal planning purposes. That's how I had to, breakdown but then the um the actual tournament games we're gonna we're gonna recap all of them just like we've been doing with the u20 CONCACAF championship and um so stay tuned for those stick with us wingers who do we have 
Uh, I mean, Vlaco's not wrong. This group is pretty solid. So we're looking at uh, Mal Pugh is sort of the all but announced. I think she may have even been the announced starting left winger. Uh, yeah. We've got uh, probably Sophia Smith starting on the right. Uh, and then backing them up, we've got Midge Purse and Trinity Rodman with Megan Rapino uh, also in that group. Eyes, ears, and vibes from Pino. 187 caps for her, 62 goals for the national team. I thought, um, you know, Sophia Smith scored a brace over the weekend, and man, they were both such nice goals. Like, she can really strike the ball with both feet quite well. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's elite, I think. Did you I, see yeah. the, the left-footed one? Right. I mean, the, I, and, and it just seems like she's running downhill constantly, right? She just yeah. gets people, yeah. puts them on their heels. And that's, that's what this whole group feels like, whether it's Pew, uh, Purse, uh, Rodman, or Smith. We are going to just put teams in, like, just terrify them. And then <laughs> Rapino does just come off as a completely different kind of player. She's, she's <laughs> not not going to just be blitzing past people. No. Well, and I think even among the other four, there's, there's differences of degree, you know, so Smith, Smith feels like she's running downhill faster than any of the other ones to me. Pew, maybe a little more, a little more subtlety to her game, but I was no, I was noticing Smith, you know, Smith was, um, you know, backing people, like backing people up with the ball at her feet. Like she just does so many things. Well, Oof. It'll be fun to watch. It'll it will be. be. And, and then you've got Purse, who I feel like is just outstanding at getting around an edge uh, where mm-hmm. it doesn't look like she's got daylight, but suddenly she's on the other side of the defender between the end line and the goal, and she's just, she's just racing in, uh, usually to like set somebody else up. Um, so, yeah, this is, again, these first two games, while, while they might not get totally out of hand scoreline-wise, I feel like they're going to be attacking clinics that are going to be very enjoyable to watch. Just to just for reference uh, from FB Ref, uh, Smith has one point oh four goals plus assists minus penalty kicks per ninety in this season. Pew has one point two two, and um, that's like uh, you know levels above the others on this. Now we don't they don't have XG for the NWSL on FB Ref, so apologies, Greg. Apologies. <laughs> But from the stats we have, yeah, I mean, just juggernauts. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and, and that, and that, we're not even getting into the, the striker core yet. Let's do it. Okay, so Alex Morgan and Ashley Hatch, uh, another another balance of experience. Obviously, Alex Morgan uh, with like her breakout in 2011, 2012, and then Ashley Hatch, who has eight caps total. She's been prolific in her appearances for the U.S. with four goals already, uh, and she's off to a good start for Spirit. Yep, four goals on the season so far. Alex Morgan has 11 this season. This is her highest scoring season in NWSL of her entire career already. Yeah. So we came into the season like, uh, you know, before they even started the, the Challenge Cup. And it was we were, the question was going to be like, does Alex Morgan get into this group with Macario and Hatch? Or, or you know, I mean, does Morgan beat out Hatch? Does, do they take all three? Uh, Macario getting injured made that question moot. But I think Alex Morgan with her goals made that question moot as well. She was going to be in this group with 11 goals. I know. I think four of them are penalties, uh, but even without penalties, still she's yeah. leading the league in scoring. Yeah, um, and Hatch, you know, I, I watched uh, I watched a lot of Hatch's involvements from this most recent game, uh, and she, 
you know, she was like, she was doing the whole Kobe Bryant thing. Just give me the ball and I'm going to shoot. And, um, I don't know. I, th- I feel like, don't you think Morgan probably comes, probably replaces Hatch if Macario is healthy? Is that what you were, is that what you basically said earlier? So it'd be that or, or they drop down to, uh, four wingers instead of five and, and you'd bring all three. And I could see doing that because again, you want, I think you want a player like Ashley Hatch in the group early, like ahead of, mm-hmm. you know, her, her eventual possible involvement in the world cup itself. Uh, you want, you want to get her through this. I don't think you just want to take two strikers through it and then bank on them being available uh, for the next year. So I, I feel like it probably would have been three strikers anyway. Uh, but okay. again, without Macario, then it's, it's these two are <laughs> going to be up for the task. And then, you know, hopefully Macario gets back to full health and is back in, uh, you know, by early next year at the latest. Yeah. But it'll be, it'll be kind of fun to see Alex Morgan getting on, on the end of all these chances that smith and pew and purse and rodman create seems like she's well suited for that role yeah she seems with her. to mesh she seems to mesh well with the kids they're a little bit of, a little bit of like twitter banter with uh sophia smith after both of them scored a bunch of goals on the weekend nice that goes a long way we're we love we love good vibes anybody anybody else who's not here who you kind of wish we're getting a look or anything like that no, no, no one in particular is like, uh, I, I think has anything close to like a, an airtight case. It's, it'd really just be, you know, roster need if there was anyone who, who really feels and feels a need. And I think that's essentially again what like Sonnet is doing, where she's going to be, you know, the third player up at four different spots, every spot on the back line kind of thing. Hmm. All right. Well, what are you, what are you looking for? What are you looking for from this tournament? lots of good finishing yeah i'm looking for finishing third patterns uh you know i'm i'm, I'm not going to get into the conversion debate again but i'm looking for <laughs> i'm looking for the actual uh player to be put in position for to make that last touch i, I don't want it to just you know i don't want us to just control the games which i think we will do almost by default um but then not actually create the chance because we can't we can't unlock the last two passes so i want to see those last two passes i want to see the players off the ball making those uh getting the movement right to get on the end of that last pass and then as you know uh, then the chips will fall where they fall uh but i think i think we're gonna get i think we're gonna get a lot of good chips falling Mm -hmm. and and i'm also just i'm also just excited to see if if this team can and sort of capture some public momentum uh because i do think it's going to be an outrageously fun team to watch uh and i think there's an incredible amount of personality on the team and i feel like there are a lot of people who aren't uh, who aren't going to be as aware of some of these players as they have been of the, you know, personalities that have built up on the women's team for the past 10 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got some real celebrities on the national team aging out. Um, and this is, this is a real good, going to be a real good uh, chance to uh, introduce yourself for some of these players. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, anybody who listens to podcasts knows we don't, we haven't talked about the women's national team very much at all. We're trying to, we're trying to start doing that. And I'm excited to, you know, sort of work my way through a, a tournament with all of my attention on it and come out, hopefully come out of it with a, a deeper and better understanding of the player pool and, you know, what the future looks like. So I, I'm, I'm excited about that myself. Future's pretty bright here. Present, present has been bright, and I think the future is going to be, uh, uh, I don't know, supernova here. Like, again, just the personalities that we've seen kind of uh, emerging on the field, off the field. This should be a good time. 
Okay. Let's see. Programming notes. We're going to, you know, the, the U20s play. Who do they play? They play Cuba tonight. And uh, Marcus Sherez and I are going to record a recap of that tomorrow morning. Um, and then, like I said, Greg and I are going to recap both of the Columbia friendlies in one uh, the day after the second one. And then, you know, we're going to have sort of a hodgepodge of of guests and hosts over the next week to try to cover those U20 games as the as that tournament progresses. And then uh, Greg and I will be back in the saddle for the to recap the Haiti game, I think, the day after at night because I'll be traveling that day. I know. Very boring story. Sorry. Um, <laughs> now, t- real quick, though, for the U20s, uh, tell me, they've already advanced, right? They, they've secured advancement into the next round. Now it's just going to be about seeding. Isn't it three teams out of four advance for their group? Yes. Okay. Very, very easy to advance in that tournament. But, um, but it's, very, it's crucial that they advance not as a three seed or not as the third place team because um, then they may play Mexico and then they might not qualify for either the Olympics or the U-20 World Cup. They do kind of need to beat Cuba here. Second place was a draw. And, and yeah. yeah, a loss and a very lopsided Canada win would see them past. So it would have to be a, which it, you should expect Canada to have a lopsided win. St. Kitts is uh, at minus 16 after two games on goal difference. <laughs> yeah. That's who Canada's playing. Yeah. Okay. I, sorry I to dip my toe in the U twenty waters. I was just actually trying to get caught up real quick while I, while I had you on the line. Yeah. No, I mean it, it'd be fun to talk to you about that, but not today, Greg. Not today. <laughs> One other thing, uh, you know, if you are able, please consider supporting us on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. I'll leave it at that. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you.